Hello, welcome to another episode of Cultic Conversations. I am your host, Joe Friesen, and I don't have a guest with me, unfortunately. So this conversation will be between you and me. I will start off by saying I've been thinking a lot lately about... scapegoats. So I was listening to this podcast, and I'll share the link for the podcast, because it's the podcast episode. You should listen to the podcast. Listen to the podcast episode, and then listen to the podcast. Granted, they're like all two hours on average long. Some are longer, some are shorter, but they're long. But it's, it's all good stuff. Oh, it's so good. It is blown my mind. It's opened my mind to so many things, and it's really helped me develop a good perspective on just how to live in the world. And if it's, if it's given, if it's not helped me get answers, but it's left me with more questions, then it's good questions, I think. Um, yeah, the, the podcast, it's called um, Chalk Knocks Unplugged. And it's this guy, his name, or his nickname, yeah. You know him by Chocolate Knox. Talks to this other gentleman, Jason Farley, about stuff, mostly metaphysics, but it's all it's all practical. It's all, and it's it's unraveling so much of modern day nonsense, and it's providing just answers to questions about, you know, like why does the conservative movement keep losing? Um, what should we be doing to win? Uh, the significance of the church and the culture, and just it's it covers so much ground um, because it's so long, honestly. But he's just he's a really 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 smart dude um, who does not talk like an intellectual. So he's like modern day C.S. Lewis in some ways. Um, do, 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 do. Anyway, so I was listening to that podcast and they were talking about um, how our, our desires are shaped by the culture um, and that those, sometimes those desires result in us wanting a scapegoat because things are getting, because we're all, we all have desires of hate against just those things are welling up and so it's like we need an outlet we need a scapegoat in order to maintain our community relationship if we don't have a scapegoat then the hatred the the desires of hate welling up in us will destroy our community we don't want that so we get a scapegoat we hate that thing and maintain our community bond and this is kind of what jesus did for it's well it's a backup um it's what god instituted it in Israel in the the ceremonial law he had two goats or it was two sheep it was two two of those things probably probably goats pretty sure it was goats um and one you would sacrifice the other one the priest would put the sins of the people upon the head of the goat and then he would release the goat out into the wilderness where I think Azrael was which is depending on your mythology is either the devil or one of one of several fallen angels is a bad dude um 
But anyway, yeah, he's released out into the wilderness, symbolic of chaos and death. And that's that's where the sins of the people go with the scapegoat. You know, all all the desires, all the all the wrong desires directed towards the scapegoat, the scapegoat goes out, and the desires go with it. Except it's imperfect, and so they have to keep sending out scapegoats every year. because um, it doesn't fully take away the, the wrong desires. But then Jesus comes along as the OG scapegoat. Um and he goes, unlike unlike the goats that just go and they die in the wilderness, they succumb to the chaos. Um, Jesus, he goes into the chaos. He goes into death. And then he comes out. Comes out on the other side. He doesn't, like, back out of it. He goes into death. He becomes dead, dead. And then he becomes very, very not dead. He resurrects, comes back to life, and because of that, there are no, no no more needs of scapegoats because he is he's the one scapegoat to survive being a scapegoat. And so he just since he did not pass away, our desires are complete our wrong desires are completely taken away in him. Um, and so whenever we have those desires, we have faith, and we, we give those things over to Jesus because he took them and he's the scapegoat. And he atones for them, and it doesn't, you know, it doesn't like bother him. We can't overload Jesus with our um, desires. I mean, argue you could argue that's what happened to the the, the scapegoat goat is that there were such um, desires put upon it that it, it had to die. It's just that was the end of it. But Jesus is not so loaded with um, our sinful desires that he just he just dies and doesn't come back. He he dies, but then he he comes back. He just you know, you can't hold them down with even death. Um, and so death is broken. That's scriptural. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Um, so I was thinking about that. Jesus being a scapegoat. You keep sending scapegoats out until the perfect scapegoat. And then no more scapegoats. Um, the priest. I was reading about this. I did a binge read in Hebrews recently. Um, and it was the majority of Hebrews, I didn't realize this, was talking about how Jesus is, why he's our perfect high priest and why the, the old ceremonial priestly system specifically has gone away. It's because the old priests would die. Uh, they would be interceding for the people and then they would die. And then it's like, okay, now the people are without an intercessor, so you got to get a new priest to renew intercession for the people. And it just, it's just this cycle continues, and it's like the scapegoat. The scapegoat dies. You got to get a new scapegoat to take away the evil desires of the people. Whereas Jesus, um, he's the priest, and then he dies, and then he comes back to life. He's, he doesn't stay dead, and so he he continues to intercede. And because he because he came back, there's no need to replace him, and because there's no need to replace him, he perfectly intercedes and perfectly completely saves us. Since the priest died, he wasn't able to perfectly um, intercede for the people because that's like an infinite level thing to do because there's, you know, um, I don't want to say there's like infinite levels of sin, but it's kind of along that same line of thought is that there's there's too much sin for one priest to intercede and atone for. And so he dies and there's, there's stuff left over. And so a new priest must be appointed to take care of it. Jesus Jesus died, and then he comes back, 
and so now he lives for eternity. You can't keep him, you can't make him stay dead, and so he can intercede for eternity and atone perfectly for all sin. Because he just, he out, he outlives it, basically. It's kind of the idea. Um, so there, there was that. So there was the priest and the scapegoat, and then I thought about the dove. The dove from Noah's Ark. Now, Noah's Ark, the Ark is a symbol of the covenant that God puts us in. It's, when it gets into covenant with us, it's, it's a relationship set up by promises. And it's in this relationship that God reconciles us to him, and he takes us out of the world, which is full of chaos and death, we were once part of that chaos and death. We were, we were separated by it from God, and we were part of it. So we were part of the separation. We were both separated and part of the separation. And then he reconciles us, so he makes us no longer part of the separation, no longer separated through covenant. And this is, this is symbolic. This is seen in the symbolism of baptism. We go under, we come back up, we're reconciled. Um, the Red Sea symbolism. Um, <clears throat> the flood the flood was a kind of baptism symbolism, according to, I believe it's Second Peter, first or second Peter. And uh, so yeah, the, the ark itself is the covenant, and the door into the covenant is Jesus. This is pretty common theology, is that the door to the ark is was symbolic as a Christ type. Um, the only way into safety to be saved from the death and the chaos was the door. Same likewise. The only way for us to be saved from the death and the chaos of the world is through Jesus. Anyway, so you're in the covenant, and there's death and chaos surrounding you. And you begin, and Noah begins to send out this dove. And the dove goes out, and it comes back. Because there's still death and chaos. There's still the death and the chaos of the waters in the world. The flood waters. He sends out the dove, or he actually sends out a raven. There's, there's a, there's, sometimes he sends out raven, and then I think he switches to dove. There must, there might be some significance there. I don't know what it is. Point is, bird goes out, comes back, goes out, comes back, goes out, comes back. Why? Because there's still death and chaos in the world. And so you remain in this covenant of the ark. Um, ark of the covenant. Uh, I don't think that's related, just except by words. Anyway, we'll ignore that rabbit trail. Um, and then the bird doesn't it comes back with an olive leaf in its mouth because the waters the death and the chaos symbolized in the flood waters is receding it's going away and so the world is becoming better it's being purified um by no act of noah it's an act of god through nature anyway um, and then sends out the bird one more time bird doesn't come back because the death and the chaos symbolized by the flood waters in the world is gone the world has been purified. There are no more evil people, no more giants. Um, it's pure for the righteous family of Noah to live in. Um, and I thought, man, this this sounds like what this sounds like the whole scapegoat and the priest thing, except it's it's like inverted because instead of you know, the scapegoat goes out doesn't come back and so you have to send another scapegoat the priest 
goes and intercedes, and then he goes into death and doesn't come back, so you have to set up another priest. Jesus went out into death, and then he came back out on the other side. So we don't need to set up another scapegoat or another priest. But with the bird, the bird kept coming back, and then it didn't come back. And I feel, I thought there was some symbolism here, some like inverse symbolism or something related here somewhere. I don't know if, if Jesus is supposed to be the bird or if we're the bird, maybe. Um, or if the bird is something, it symbolizes something that we do. Because I think we, we Christians now, we're living in the, the post-flood world, the waters have receded, the death and the chaos are in some way gone. Because the, the Bible says, oh death, where is your sting? Grave, where is your victory? So death, because Jesus rose from the dead, is and is being conquered. It's I mean, obviously people die. There's still chaos and bad things in the world, but they're, they are receding. So if anything, the birds come back with the olive branch. Um, I just, I had this thought like we go out into the world and there are the people in the old covenant. We, you remember how I said that it's through God's covenant that he takes people, he, he, um, he takes them out of the separation, the chaos and the death and he brings them into himself. Well, now, now that the floodwaters, the chaos and the death have receded from the world, God has made a covenant with the world itself. And it is now separated out of the chaos and the death, and it's made new, and it's got new life. And so there's there's a new covenant outside of the ark that Noah and his family now dwell in. Um, I just thought that's that's like what we, we live in now, kind of. Um, Christians live in this new covenant where it's, the death is no more. It's defeated and being defeated. Um, and then there are those, specifically Israelites um, and unbelievers, who live in this old, who are trying to live in this old covenant. They're still trying to live in the boat. And they keep on sending out the dove. And I, I imagine if there was anyone who was still, if any one of Noah's family members remained on the boat because they're like i don't know i'm i'm gonna i don't think the waters are fully gone yet i'm gonna keep sending out the dove i'm just not sure um or they they keep waiting for the bird to come back they, the bird kept coming back so why hasn't the bird come back it's because there's no water on the land but they don't want to accept that truth and it's like come on get out of the boat get out of the new covenant come to or not get out of the old the new one get out of the old one and this is, is essentially our message to Israel, I mean, the, the old covenant is meaningless. Being in the boat is meaningless because the world is, there's no more water in the world. Um, there's a new covenant in place that's bigger and better. It's built on better promises according to Hebrews. Um, as, I, mean, I think I think that part makes sense. I think that part makes sense, but that still that doesn't quite help me understand what's the function of the dove. What was what was the dove when the old covenant was in place? Uh, was it the prophets or is it? May are we still in the boat? Because I mean, like I said, there's still death and chaos in the world, and so 
it's more like the floodwaters are receding, not that the floodwaters have totally receded. Um, and so, you know, the bird comes back with an olive branch. It's, uh, it's I may record a follow-up episode if I figure this out. Or, alternatively, and preferably, because this is called Cultic Conversations, you can think about this. And if you have any insights, please leave a comment on this Instagram post, or I'm pretty sure you could leave a comment um, in Spotify, or you can send me an email. Email's in the description, as well as this podcast or the podcast episode that I was listening to that was talking about scapegoats. Again, really good. Go listen to it. Um, so yeah, I just thought I'd, you know, I'd share that. I started this podcast because of these kind of thoughts. I have these kind of thoughts and I talk about them with my friends and we have great conversations over them, um, that have to do with, with worship, how we worship. And this has to do with how we worship. Are we, are we worshiping like we're still in the boat or like we're in the world? Um, have the floodwaters receded or not? Um, you know, that, that all matters. Um, and so anyway, let's have this conversation. So, uh, let me think, is there anything else I want to say? Don't think so. All right, it's your turn. Talk to me. And I look forward to reading or hearing your responses.